going on guys? Welcome to the 8-Bit Cast. I have no idea what number episode this is because it kind of dropped off there for a bit. Well, we're back. We're back. We've got t-shirts for everybody. I'm your host this week, John O'Peck, and I'm joined by Jack Cruz. I didn't get a doing? t-shirt. What the hell? You, you got an 8-Bit t-shirt. I've, I've got 8-Bit t-shirts, but yeah. I didn't get like an, a specific... Was I meant to get a t-shirt? Did I no, miss the memo? I'm just... I'm just talking crap. Oh. That's what this show's all about. Oh, okay. I thought there was an actual t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Just here to remind everybody that you are still very much a part of the 8-Bit Collective. Yeah. Jack, despite the, the uh, ever-long hiatus of it is what it is. I'm like that um, that uncle who just kind of hangs around. <laughs> I'm part of the... I'm Turtle in the entourage. Yeah, right. Yeah. What does that make me? I'd say I could be the driver, but maybe not so much anymore. <laughs> right. Am, am I... Who no. am I? Am I am I Johnny? Johnny Drama? I, <laughs> I don't know. Brendan's definitely Vinny Chase. Yeah, Brendan's Vinny Chase. I guess you're probably um, E. Maybe I'm E. Yeah. Gee, I don't want to be E, but maybe I am. Salim <laughs> is definitely Drama. Johnny Drama and yeah. and NATO is Ari. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't see the connection, but uh, no, I, I guess they're I both, just, they're both wanna, hyperactive. I didn't want to leave him out. I didn't want to leave him out. Maybe, sure. maybe he's sure. Lloyd. Maybe NATO can be Lloyd. Okay. Maybe I'm Ari. I'm probably more of an Ari than yeah. I am a You're turtle. a bit more fiery than, than, than Nato. He's hyper, but you've got the... Uh, That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Ari and, and Nato's my Lloyd. You've go. probably thrown a, a phone against the wall in your day. I have. I have. Really? Yeah. We probably. should talk about that. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. We're here. We're going to talk this week about the year 2000. I was sitting down trying to come up with some topics Make and I thought... Up to do you remember that silver, silver, silver Chair I song? I do, that Silver Chair song. Mm. I remember listening to it in 99 and thinking, this song's going to be really dated next year or yeah. the, in two years. And then like, now it's it's I still listen to it occasionally. And I'm like, 20 years ago now. It's a banger. What a banger. <laughs> it feels weird. But yeah, I guess that's the idea. It's, it's 20 years since the year 2000. And... Uh, Let's talk about it because it was a big year in pop culture, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what Eight Bits all about. So let's put our nostalgic hats on and uh, dig into the uh, the anniversary of this great year in our society. So you can't really talk about the year two thousand without talking about Y two K, the Millennium Bug. Ooh. Do you remember this being a thing? The I guess hysteria? we should probably set <laughs> we should probably set the table here by talking about who we were at this point. Mm. and like what we were doing in the world so you were i believe 10 years old at that stage or yeah 11? Uh, i would have been 10 for most of the year yeah i turned i would have been yeah i turned 10 in november 99 so yeah i would have mm-hmm. been for most of the year i would have been 10 years old little whippersnapper running around grade yep. five i would have been in 2000 yeah and what was uh 11 year old jack like what was important to him what was life all about I think I just started masturbating at that point. Um, okay. So that took That's up a lot of my know. time. Yeah, I was an early bloomer. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I don't I know. I make the list. I started... I didn't make the Google Doc. No, I started football that year. I remember that was the year I started playing football in um, in grade when I was in grade five. Uh, yeah, it was big. Yeah, it was football, video games, just, you know, usual kid stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I was... 12 turning 13 so just starting high school mm-hmm. very you know formative time c- kind of trying to figure out what life's about you yeah. know getting past the childish you know think in your head you're thinking like i'm past all that childish mm. stuff now I'm, I'm a big kid but really it's 
pretty much the same thing. Had, your interests change. Had you started masturbating yet? Uh, I don't recall oh, the specific but- time <laughs> that that happened, Jack. Come on, everyone and knows. And if I did, everyone I'm remembers. The specific, the Look, first time you polished the one-eyed gopher. Come I on. I did not write that into a diary like you. I didn't have a diary, but I remember the first time okay. vividly. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not going to ask any detail. Like no, my my yeah. natural interviewing urge is to go go along with what you're talking about, but I'm not going to. Y'all can <laughs> y'all can email me at jack at eight bit dot net if you want the uh, yeah okay. if you want the story the details. But the Y2K, do you remember the build-up to this? Do you remember much about that hysteria at all at your age? I, I do. I remember, yeah, I remember the the hysteria of it. I remember, like, the news stories about this potential crashing of the computer systems and planes falling out mm. of the sky and, you know, the computers not knowing what to do to tick over to 2000. Like, it's just a very bizarre thing. And I can't, like... I would have loved to have been an adult at the time when it was going on for people like to under, even like, cause if you think about like today, like if I thought if someone was just like, when the computer, like today there's a news story about the computers ticking over to 2020 mm. and everything freaking out and planes dropping out of the sky. We would all be like, did Alex Jones say that? Like it would be, a, <laughs> you know, it would be like a, it'd be a meme. Yeah. It would be a meme. Sure. Like, you know, area 51 raid and like that kind of thing. Yeah. But like I, I would have loved to have been an adult at the time when they were talking about this stuff on the news and just trying to comprehend it because it seems so outlandish now to think about like the whole it's, concept it's sci-fi, of it. isn't it? Yeah, just bizarre, very bizarre. Yeah, I remember that as well, like seeing it on the news. Do you want to explain and... to the children listening who maybe weren't right. aren't really aware what the Y two K the Millennium Bug was, <laughs> the concept yeah, of sure. it? So it's fresh in my memory because I just did a comedy rewind on Office Space and one of the kind of miniature plot lines of that is that they're software programmers that are addressing the, I think it was called like the 2000 problem or the 99 problem, like the millennium problem, something like that. And essentially, whoever invented the software that everybody used for all the important stuff back in the day only allowed for two digits, you know, 1980, so it would be eight zero. And then when it ticked over from 99 to 2000, there was this anticipation that it was going to just screw up everything. Like every system and every process would just be chaos. Mm. And it was their job to kind of, I guess, patch it in, in with, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if in reality, those people did their job really well and saved us all, or if it just didn't eventuate into anything and it was just kind of like safeguarding. So I'd, I'd like to dig into it and find out the story behind that. I wonder if there's a, a documentary on the Millennium Bug. I doubt. I feel like it was just a, a thing that just kind of happened and and didn't happen. Like, I think it was... Mm. It, it feels... Uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but the, my memory of it was that it was just a theory that kind of got mm. out of hand. And the idea that all of the... New, <laughs> like, like things like the, that we're talking about, like all of the nukes everywhere will launch on their own <laughs> and planes will fall yeah, out. That, like, do you know what I mean? Like, what... Biz- that sounds like a rumour. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I remember all that kind of stuff being like the, the talk of it all and... Um, mm. yeah, it's, again, it's just such a bizarre thing to think about now. Yeah. I remember like definitely seeing footage on the news of people like stockpiling yeah. canned goods and that, like kind of setting up bunkers yeah. for anticipation of the worst. Pe- but people were having end of the world parties as well. Like I, I remember like on the, yeah. on the, I remember cause I used to, when I was a kid, I used to stay up and watch like, it used to be like an event to stay up until midnight. 
and you know watch the countdown on on the tv and the fireworks on tv and that kind of thing and i remember them like going around the city and they're like at rooftop bars and stuff and like yeah end of the world party and we're at this thing and people were like like independence day on the roof waiting for the aliens to come down and (laughs) blow them up yeah that's another thing about 2000 since you mentioned aliens like it it was this year that there's so much hype around because it is like the calendar changing from the 90s or the 1900s to the 2000s 21st century baby people are like obsessed with numbers like every time like you see like the 20th of the second 2020 and like someone's like nerding out about it it's like okay calm down a little bit but yeah yeah the the i like that stuff i'll be i'm gonna i like symmetry okay i'm a big i'm a big fan of symmetry i get all excited when i'm driving and i look at my odometer and it's like nine zero nine zero nine something like like yeah that's fine but it doesn't need to be like in the news like today is the first day since like the sixth century that we've had this exact sequence of numbers i i i nearly tweet that out when i notice it on my (laughs) on my odometer okay yeah you keep that for instagram stories yeah yeah. okay um but yeah like the year 2000 i guess for a long time was always this far away futuristic year like my dad has this um comic book i can't remember the name of it but it's uh, really rare it's from like the 60s and it's called 2000 AD okay well that's the title of this edition and it's a sci-fi thing and it's all like this futuristic stuff and it was quite funny to get that quite close to the 2000s and, and see like oh, it's nothing like this in reality uh, I think that for a lot of people it represented like futuristic st- like even back to the future to like what year was it that they went forward to 2012 or something 2015 yeah yeah so there's a point where it like seemed so far away Mm. but here we are jumping into the millennium the new millennium y2k chris jericho doing his thing yeah y2j y2j what what else happened that year the playstation 2 released in japan and Mm. a couple western markets late in the year 2000 so as far as video games it was that crossover period between the ps1 the ps2 i guess the nintendo 64 was still very much pumping out uh the titles and when that did, was probably when did Jeff the Force ti- Gemini that, uh, come out i do not know the answer to that, that but which consoles out. were you banging at this time i was i think i just gotten the ps1 and right. i've been rocking a 64 since 97 right right yeah yeah, I, I had the PS1 and definitely couldn't afford the PS2 for another year or two because it was really expensive. It was like I 700 bucks. I remember Yeah. I I I used to do a paper round and I I took everywhere I put one on layby at Kmart <laughs> and I went every when you week were 10. when I was 10 and wow. I went every and it came with um Gran Turismo 3. And I went every week for like a year and put 30 bucks, like the 30 bucks that I got from my paper round down every year, every week for like a year, I reckon it was. And, um, you know, when I got birthday money and that kind of thing, got my PS2 with my uh, DVD remote and Gran Turismo 3. Are you the one that bought the games before you had the console as well? Was that you? No, that, I did that for that? PS One. I did that for my PS One. Oh, PS1. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did that for PS One. I bought. I had like Die Hard trilogy and Alien trilogy sitting in my room for like a year while I was doing the same thing while I was paying paying my PS One off with my paper round, and um and I used to read the instruction booklet like back to front. Wow, yeah. that paper round really did a lot for you, didn't it? Yeah, I was self made man, my friend. Self made mm. man. 
I have to ask you this because I asked Tom this in our, our group chat the other day. Did you ever dump the newspapers in a river or a down yes. a drain or something? Yes. You did. And I got busted. Well, oh, yeah, I got busted big uh, time. Yeah. Everyone gets busted, eh? Can we talk about this in. This happened in like 2001 or 2002. Can we talk, can we talk about it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. We might have talked about this on Explosion Network possibly, way back in the possibly. day, but anyway, I want to hear it. Yeah, I did it. So we lived in one house, um, and I did it, oh, and I fucking hate. Like once I got my pe- like it was a means to an end. Like Dad was like, "All right, you're you're ten now. You need to get a job." I was like, "All right, cool." Thanks. <laughs> you're ten. Thanks, Dad. It's like I had a job when I was ten. You need to get a job. I was like, "All right." So I got a job. It's like I, I caught you wanking. You got to get a job. Now. <laughs> Never caught you're me wanking. Never caught me wanking. Um, I don't think anyone. I don't think that's yeah. No one's ever caught me wanking. I don't think. Um, yeah, so oh turn 10 is like, you need to get a job. I was like, all right, I got a job. So got a paper out and I fucking hated it. It was just the most, the worst. First, I was trying to like do it with, like people underestimate how fucking heavy stacks of paper are. So like first it was is like- on foot, in a, on a bike? I started with a bike, but like you could, you literally, if you were doing it on a bike, you would be able to carry 10 papers. Like yeah, it's not, it's not possible. So dad tried, dad made these like saddle bags for my push bike and it was impossible. <laughs> like I couldn't ride, like it was impossible and I could only carry cause a stack of papers comes in like a stack of 50 and they come in like, they're yeah. all like bundled up and you've got to like carry it. So I could probably do one stack of 50 papers and I have to ride home and reload again. Anyway, so they bought me one of those like old people push cart trolleys um, that, you know, the old people nice. would take. Yeah. So I would walk around with that and I could put two or three stacks in there. And I think I had four stacks. So I had 200 papers I had to deliver. Um, and it was like eight bucks a stack. I'd get like $8, uh, $8 a uh, stack of 50 papers. Um, so yeah, I did that for like a year and a half. Anyway, we moved um, to my new place and I called up the, the paper and I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to deliver anymore. I'm moving. They're like, okay, no worries. We'll stop dropping them off at your house. Great. I was like, I'm free. This is amazing. So happy. Anyway, I got home one day from school at my new place that we'd moved to and there were fucking eight stacks of paper sitting there under my car porch. I'm like, what the fuck happened here? Mum's like, oh, I called the paper up and got your job back. I'm like, no. <laughs> anyway, so I, I uh, like after that, I was like, fuck this. And so like they lived near like a freeway. So I'd like throw them over the fence in the freeway. There was like heap of land, like just like bushes and stuff. I'd throw them in the bushes and like, I never got caught for ages. Um, and then mum used to do how a- long, hey? how long did this go on? Oh, a few months. Um, I didn't, every, I didn't throw day? them all. No, no, no. A weekly? It was weekly. It was weekly paper. Right. Yeah, it was like the local paper. Um, and I... So I had... Um, what's my train of thought now? Yeah, so... I wouldn't throw them all away. I would just like make the load a little bit easier. Sometimes I throw them in the bin at home and then like... Because my job at home was to put the trash out. So like I was the only one emptying the bins and putting the bins out. So I would like throw a couple of stacks in and throw the trash in on top of it, that kind of thing. Anyway, so then I went to... Um, anyway, mum used to do... Mum was like an Avon lady. I don't know if Avon is still a thing, mm, but my mum was yeah. the local Avon lady. Um, so she had customers all around like our streets and I, was, I threw some down a drain one day and then like went on my merry way and walked... Got home, walked inside. Mum comes up and slaps me across the face. She's like, what are you doing? She's screaming at me. She's like, my customer saw you doing that and rang me up and told me. I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. Snitch. Yeah. And dad went turbo at me. It was, yeah, it was quite the, um, quite the awakening. Yeah. I was in big, I was in big trouble. I was in big, big trouble. (laughs) What did you learn from this, Jack? Don't get caught. Yeah. (laughs) 
there's, there's two things here. I can't believe that people didn't ring up the newspaper and complain that they weren't getting they did. their delivery. They used to. They used to call up all and the time. Like, oh, like, I, I don't know what happened. They, and this were, these were like the free, these were like the free like local paper as well. This wasn't okay. like the um, Herald Sun, or Herald Sun or anything that people were paying for. These were like yeah, free free local paper. And people used to call up and complain. I didn't get the paper this week. Paying this, getting the, paying for this in my rates. Who am I getting the paper? Um, and they used to call up and like, why didn't those papers get delivered? Like, they did. I don't know. Someone must have stolen it. Fuck yeah. Crazy mystery. <laughs> a, it's crazy. A on the loose. <laughs> The other thing is, I didn't. I didn't even think you're allowed to work at ten years old. I, I'm sure that's apparently, not legal. Apparently, you can. I don't think yeah, I paid tax I, either, so this is like a double crime. Yeah. Double. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure, like on the books, you're not allowed to start until you're like. It's like fourteen nine months or, whatever. or four, four, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a certain time, because I remember people like hanging out to work, and then they finally were old enough yeah. and were doing it in high school. But yeah, man, you were uh, hustling early. Hustling, you were an early yeah. bloomer. Yeah, and your yeah. your dad instilled that in you, and I can see it's it's lasted till today. That hustle. <laughs> I hope you hope you're not dumping like <laughs> I don't want to say who you're working for in case it like gets you in trouble. But I hope you're not dumping their product down the drain. No, nah, not at all. That stuff's priceless. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, it was it? Look, it was. Oh, you know. Well, it's a funny story to tell now. It was I was what I was doing was wrong. Like, let's not. It was, <laughs> I was accepting money for a job that I wasn't doing. Yes. It's um, thievery. It's, it is. It was. Did your parents find out how long you were doing it for? Nah, they, I just said like, you know, it wasn't. That was the first time. Yeah, I was like, oh, I busted me. Um, but no, they instilled the fear of God into me after dad like, said like you know it's like oh you know the lady called us but she also called the police so now we've got to go down to the station and did the whole thing oh, like really? got me in the car and like we drove to like the police station and i'm like freaking <laughs> out it's like they're gonna charge you're gonna have a criminal record you know it's you know it's fraud Jeez. and all this stuff and then we like got to, we get pull up to the police station he starts slowing down and then like drives past and, and like to like to yes yeah, so we did, obviously didn't go to the police station um yeah. but yeah no but it, you know it taught me like a, a lesson to be like don't Mm. you know be honest don't fuck around like that um that's good yeah that was a diversion worth doing yeah from the ps2 to yeah for that sure. story for sure uh so the last thing to set the scene for the year 2000 would be the u.s election that was when uh, george w bush defeated al gore w. and there was the, the infamous florida recount and yeah the, the beginning of his reign of, of pre- president <laughs> what a hilarious president he was um for us, yeah, yeah, for us, yeah, not so much for the. Okay, it's always people. it's always funny for us when they're an absolute clown, but the reality, I, I mean, he, it is funny. Like, I, I think like Trump is probably the best thing for George Bush's legacy. Oh, like, for sure, he, he was known as like the like the the worst, dumbest, yeah, yeah, like you know, Bush looks like Lincoln compared to <laughs> fucking Trump. Yeah. It was, there was at least something presidential about him. Yeah. It's just, there's a really great video um, on YouTube of his, like, his, like, misquotes or whatever. Like, it's like him, like... like the fool get, me once. Get, hey? Yeah. The fool me once. Fool me once. Shame on fool me. me once. Shame, Shame fool on me twice. Fool me twice. <laughs> Can't fool me again. <laughs> yeah, there's some, um, there's some crackers, yeah. Oh, that's great. All right, so I guess while we're on the kind of topic of video games, there were some really big games this year. It was a pretty solid year for releases. So there's a few we probably want to go into a bit of detail on, and then a few that I'll just kind of rattle off to show how solid that year was. But the one that sticks out the most to me was The Sims, right? So Mm. I wasn't a big-time PC gamer 
I did have a computer, but finding out about The Sims before it came out in like previews and stuff, I was so hyped for this game because it was unlike anything that I'd seen before. And it, obviously it's like super iconic now and they're still making these games 20 years later. So that says something about the series as a whole. But mm. because it was that pre-release phase, there was like in my young imagination, there was like no limit to what this game was. And it was kind of mm. like, it just seemed like it was life and you could do anything. Mm. And that really excited me. And I definitely played that for a, a couple of years, pretty solid on the PC. Did you ever get into The Sims, Jack? No, never. I um, I played it like I remember the whole thing about like I, I played it once at a fr- like, I never had a PC. I didn't have a PC until mm. like two thousand two, um, okay. or two thousand no, sorry, two thousand three. I didn't have a computer at home until like two thousand three. So, but my friend Dylan, who I used to go to like his, he was like my best friend through like primary school. I used to go to his mm-hmm. house and watch him play I think I've told this story before but like just watch him play Age of Empires until like okay. 3 in the morning and he would never let me have a turn I would just sit there and watch him play it was in in hindsight I'm like what a terrible friend he was yeah um, that's awful yeah it was it was awful in hindsight I never even got a chance I never never got a turn anyway um, but yeah he had I remember him having the sims I remember going around and watching him play it and like making the family and everything and and the swimming and like the old thing with the swimming pool and then removing yeah. the, the ladder and letting the people drown and Seeing the house on fire and that kind of thing, but no, I never making um, them pee their pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never really played it myself, but yeah, quite a um, quite an intuitive like what a what an interesting like concept for a game. Just create yeah. life and play God basically. Mm. And it's kind of also that dawn of reality TV as well. So that's kind of it kind of ties into that like voyeurism. You're looking mm. at this family and they're kind of going about their life. So yeah, yeah. We'll, but we'll get into reality TV a bit later. Ooh. Some of the other games that released Spider Man, a late entry to the PS One catalog. Did you get Spider Man on that PS One along I, with the uh, Die Hard trilogy? <laughs> I I did. I remember. I don't think I owned it. I remember I had the second one, which was like Enter Electro or whatever. Um, mm, okay. But yeah, I definitely had to play the first one, and yeah, really good game. Like I remember, I fun have fond memories of those games. Yeah, it was kind of groundbreaking. I think like it seemed groundbreaking. Obviously, it wasn't till like Spider Man Two on the PlayStation. Two, two yeah. the one based on the Tobey Maguire movie, that that kind of like really opened up this kind of open world Spider Man experience. But Spider Man PS One was probably the first game that captured that feeling of being able to swing around and mm. and be Spider Man. Yeah, it, ha- it had the whole thing where like if you fell below the the buildings like rooftops, you would just fall into the kind of fog the that traffic. was typical yeah. for. <laughs> For those kinds of games, yeah. like the 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 Turok kind of classic oh, example, Turok. <laughs> and uh, but but it was cool because it was these characters that you knew from the comics or the TV shows, and they were voiced, and it was like a, a it was the closest thing to, you know, playing the TV show essentially because mm. that's what we had. And Stan Lee was voicing, like he was narrating the game, and it was using the Tony Hawk engine because it was never soft so it yep. just felt like a really awesome experience and it was so late in that ps1 generation that it was probably like pushing the ps1 to to its limits yeah definitely uh, escape from monkey island is one that i just wanted to touch on i know you wouldn't have played this it's because mm. it's a LucasArts adventure game and you didn't have a pc true but monkey island is such a like 
legendary series on PC and for the adventure game kind of genre that a lot of people would have grown up playing them, uh, especially early in the 90s. And this was like one of the first times I can remember being so excited for a game because it was a sequel to something that I loved. And it was actually like like years and it came years and years later. Like it's one of those things where you kind of feel like the series has ended and then they announce a new one. So it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. And I really remember being psyched to go down to the local like video game rental store and rent this Mm. because I didn't have enough money to buy it. Mm. And I just thought that would be a, a good springboard to talking about that kind of part of the experience at that time. When you're a young kid, you don't have as much disposable income as is probably as you did when you were a kid because you're stealing newspapers. Uh, but <laughs> I told did, I didn't was, all of my all of my newspaper money went into laybys for my consoles. <laughs> yeah. Did you was the rental thing part of your experience growing up too absolutely. with video games? Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, I remember hiring like like some of the, my best like on like gaming memories as a like mm. as a young kid would came from like hiring games like yeah. um you know like the resident evil games like i never owned a resident evil game until like resident evil 4 like i i played all of those like rented and played them like over the weekends and um i remember i remember renting civilization and like just absolutely hating it um <laughs> like the, uh, the same i was like oh and you could do this thing where um you could rent something for a week and if you didn't like it you could take it back like within a day and swap it over um and so i, did, I remember doing that with civilization like so going back to like not having a computer all of my friends that had computers used to play like red alert and command and conquer and like i loved those like i loved how those games mm. like looked how they felt like dungeon keeper and all that and obviously i couldn't play i could never play them but they had like Command and Conquer on PS One at my local Blockbuster, and so I would go down and hire it like every second week and just play Skirmish <laughs> like nonstop. Like I love those games. Like, was, well, how would you describe those? Like art, real time strategy, or yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, That's the closest. Like strategy um, games. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I yeah. love, like I love those games, like Command and Conquer and Red Alert and that. Um, I remember. I remember I remember getting Hybrid Heaven, which is like a really obscure Konami Nintendo 64 yeah. game. I remember getting that for Christmas one year and um and having like having knowing that I was getting it. Like I'd picked it out, mum had bought it, it was like wrapped up and waiting. It was one of like my present from mum and dad. So I knew it was coming. But I was so I had like the Nintendo 64 magazine. I was <laughs> so excited to play it that I like I almost went and rented it like the day before Christmas because I just couldn't wait to play it. Like I just, all I wanted was to play this game and I and I knew I had it. Like I knew it was already there, but I wanted to go and like rent it and, and play it. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of those. Uh, yeah. That's funny. That's such a like toss up when you're that age. I remember me and my brother with the PS3 a few years later, it was like uh, Smackdown, Just Bring It, which is looking back the worst of that series like it was really bad yeah and the sa- the save data took up like almost the entire memory card so yeah. even worse but i remember it released say it released on a thursday we went down to target to get it and there was a catalog and if we waited like an extra day it was going to be like 30 bucks cheaper or something yeah and we had, we had to look at each other and be like do we wait a day or do we pay the extra? Because it's a lot of money to a kid back then. Yeah. Whatever it was. I think it was like half price or something. Like and I think we ended up 
waiting, but it was the hardest decision I'd ever had to make up to that point in my life. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, so many, like, so many of those games of that generation, because again, like, I didn't have, I wasn't like a, it's funny, I was having this conversation with my ex today um, about, like, our kid, like, because we bought him, went and took him out and bought him footy boots today and just been like, mm. man, this kid's spoiled, like, you know, he's always get like, there's always something new, like, I'm like, man, I didn't, I didn't have shit as a kid. Like, all of my, <laughs> all of my, you know, and it, I, like, I'm not unappreciative or anything, like, I had a great upbringing and, and all that, um, but I never got, like, gifts unless it was Christmas or my birthday. Like, that, that was mm. the only time I would get new shit, was Christmas or my birthday as a kid. I would never get, like, um, be able to, like, go to, like, you know, yeah, just never. Never happened. And, yeah. Yeah, it was just like birthday and Christmas. That was it. That was all I had to look forward to every year. Um, <laughs> but so like I used to, so I didn't have a lot of games that I owned, but I used to hire a lot of games. Like I remember Rogue Squadron was a game that I hired like three or four times, um, which was fantastic. I remember um, I had a game we we're going to talk about, like the Pod Racer game. Like I hired that mm. like four or five times, which is another like a really good game. Um, yeah, there was so. Yeah, there was there was so many like great games that I like hi- had to hire like as a kid and play, yeah. <laughs> and then like and then games that I'm like I just love that like I remember the Mission Possible Mission Impossible game on P- on sixty four like I think it was really crap but I loved it so much like the <laughs> the um the <laughs> you could get like the face mask like the yeah it was like a third person wasn't it yeah like the face swapping thing and then like the mission where you'd like you've you down. drop down through the lasers and stuff and um that game i i hired that many times that i ended up just going and buying it and i could have just done that from the start because i probably spent yeah. the amount like that it would have cost to buy it like three times over just hiring it that's funny so the game like that for me was actually one of my favorite games of all time metal gear solid i never mm. bought it i rented it at least four maybe five times so i definitely could have just paid for it but it was also a short game so you'd rent it and you could finish it like at least once or twice in that week period yeah and uh i ended up getting like all the unlocks for like the like you get the The camo and you get the bandana yeah Yeah. and then then it became a lot more fun to play with those kind of cheats so i'd keep renting it and Mm. yeah it wasn't really until like the vita came out or that and i had like the ps1 version on there that mm. i actually owned my favorite game and that was like about 15 years later do you own it on but ps1 do you have like a ps1 copy i don't know oh, damn <laughs> i don't even have a ps1 but yeah it's uh it lives on in my in my memories since my vita Fair. died but yeah the the other game i want to talk about was I alluded to the series before was WWF Smackdown 2 mm. Know Your Role did you ever play this one? sorry cut, you, cut out, yeah, for, a cut out for a sec yeah. what was the last thing you heard? I heard WWF Smackdown uh, um, it was WWF Smackdown 2 Know Your Role did you ever play this one? no I never played Know Your Role I think Just Bring It was the first I remember playing um here comes the pain was the best one, yeah, I think for sure. But Didn't have commentary no, though. Yeah, but the commentary was really bad. <laughs> yeah, the commentary early. was always banned on those. But I remember <laughs> this is a fun, like uh, this is an aside. I was thinking about this the other day. Back in the day, like, and I don't think we, we like people whinge about patches and this kind of stuff these days. But as a console gamer, as a kid, we have to remember mm. back in the day we didn't have patches. Like, where the game 
released broken it was broken forever like that was it like i remember smackdown um uh, uh, here comes the pain releasing and it's like they forgot to put the commentary in like whoever shipped it forgot to add like the commentary track is that what it was yeah because it was just it was just absent in the game um yeah i guess they could release like a new edition like yeah they could do it that way but like that a recall or something but yeah yeah but like that was it like that and that was it and so it's not like oh shit we forgot to add that in we'll patch it in later like once that mm. game was out it was out when it was broken it was broken superman 64 could have been the greatest game of all time but unfortunately it <laughs> remains as one of the worst um it's just so many things yeah. like that i think about often like of, and not realizing at the time how broken games were when you would play them as a kid you just kind of just thought that's what they were meant to be because because yeah. because why Cause like because yeah yeah you had no like concept of what like you know what what you just thought this was a product this is what you pay for this is what you get and mm. something being broken was just not a concept until like years and years later but that kind of stuff used to happen all the time yeah for sure so the thing that stands out the most about know your role to me was the career mode it was the first time that you could really have a it was it felt like a living and breathing option to play mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you could create a player you could like literally hold every championship belt and you'd like walk out holding all of them at once like you could have like one on each arm and one around your mm. waist like you could just dominate and it would carry through to like exhibition mode so if you were just playing a match that you set up yourself your character would come out wearing all those belts there was like feuds there was stables you could like there was a storyline that was dynamic and would change way more than there is now on the modern ones because there was no voice acting it was just text so they mm. could do so much more with it mm. And there was like parts where it would be like, do you want to go and film a movie and the calendar will advance like nine months Mm. and you could be like, yes. And then you just like flick forward nine months and like all the championship belt holders have changed and like, it was just like mind blowing at the time. Mm. They never reached those heights again. No, it seems CH- like it seems like they THQ. <laughs> yeah, rip. I feel like they've, the games are getting worse as the years are going on. It wasn't the one that came out this year, like just an absolute mess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the two WWE two K nineteen or twenty, I guess it was. 20, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know what ended up happening with patches and that kind of thing, mm. but uh, yeah, definitely provided some some fodder. That was the, fodder. like you had um, what was what the one before? Here comes the pain. It was yeah. So it was shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. That was the one. Yeah. Um, that was that was pretty good. I never owned that, but yeah, I remember here comes the pain playing the absolute shit out of that game for like. Mm like just hours and hours and hours and hours and um yeah same with the smack you could play like games. you could play like eight players as well if you had two multi-taps and i had a multi-tap so i'd play like five players with my cousins and we'd do like false count anywhere or like iron man like five man iron man matches and it was just like chaos and so much fun for like co- local couch co-op were there any other games from the list that you wanted to speak to you mentioned episode one racer yeah, really. I think like an underrated game. Like, I don't think people look back on that with any kind of fondness because of the way we look back on episode one as a whole. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it gets any any love, but it was a really good game. Like, it had there was there was depth to it. There was was it? Yeah, like you could. I only was... played it like at the Harvey Norman. You know, when there's like the demo version. Oh, yeah. And I was go and I play and I was like, this is really stiff. And I just couldn't mm-hmm. figure out how to play it. So I just thought, nah, this game sucks. But you're telling yeah. me there was depth to it. 
Yeah, there was. Yeah, I can't remember. Like you could change, you could customize your like, racer and that kind of thing. I believe, or maybe I'm just mm. imagining that. But it was a really, it was a really good game. Um, okay. What? Yeah, Pokemon Yellow was probably the other game that came mm. in. That that game, like, was my life. For I remember Christmas. Would it have been two thousand or ninety nine when that came out? Must have been two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. yeah, it was. According yeah. to this list. So Christmas two thousand. I remember all because I'm I was late, not late, but like I never played blue or red, okay. um, and so and we didn't get green in Australia. Um, so yellow was like my first Pokemon game, and I remember like that was that was like that was all I wanted. It was the same year I got um, for Christmas. I got uh, Mark, Tom, and Travis show. That same nice. year, yeah. So I remember that very fondly. But I, I remember Definitely like that... too young for that. <laughs> I was a very yeah. I was very much too young for that. But I remember that like Pokemon Yellow was all that I wanted for Christmas that year. Yeah. And I remember asking my mum and dad to get it for me, and um and they were like, all right, cool. We're gonna go and do like go down because back in like I lived in like a small beach town and we didn't have. Mm. Like there was no, there was a shopping center, but all it had was a Coles and a Kmart. So like Kmart was where you had to do all of your Christmas shopping because mm-hmm. the drive was like, it was like a 40 minute drive to like the town with the closest like plaza and that had not much either. So I was like to mum and dad, I was, they were, it was just before Christmas. They're like, all right, we're just going to go and do the last of Christmas shopping. We're going to go and get this Pokemon game for you and a couple other things. I'm like, cool. And they came back and I'm like, oh, did you get it? They're like, no, they'd, they'd sold out. I'm like, oh, you're kidding They're like yeah sorry they like they just sold the last one um but so we'll just we'll probably we'll have to go and look for it somewhere else like after christmas or something else oh, i was mm. shattered i was so shattered anyway christmas day comes along mum and dad pull pull the old the old switcheroo i mean they, they bamboozled me and um yeah opened up pokemon yellow and i lost my shit i was it was like my that you know that famous video of the two kids with the, the nintendo kids, 64 yeah. that was like me oh, i could not believe it i was because i was not yeah. expecting it i was so stoked um and i just played that for hours and hours and hours and i remember like one of the most devastating things that ever happened to me as a gamer was um that so like you my sister save yeah well i didn't realize that Damn there it. was there was more like i'd put probably 50 60 who knows like months into this game and my sister wanted to have a turn. I was like, yeah, okay, have a turn. Anyway, so she, I didn't realize that there was only like one save. You could only have one save mm. back in the day. And yeah, she saved over my game. And um, Things have I, never been the same. No, nah, things have never been the same. I never forgave her for that. <laughs> and I uh, lost, you know, lost it, lost it all. So I had to start from scratch. But that so was heartbreaking. Was. Like, literally, like literally, like I would have cried if that was me. Oh, I, I was, my eyes out. I was inconsolable. I was, yeah. I was in, like, you could not, have like it was like <laughs> I, I just lost everything that meant anything to me yeah oh, they did well getting that game out considering it was essentially just blue and red oh sorry yeah blue and red but with pikachu following you around yeah it's the only I, change i remember <laughs> i mean yeah I, I know it was different like it was definitely different because there were elements of red and blue that weren't included in yellow and like vice versa there was extra right. stuff, and I remember because I remember like remember missing no, like the yeah, yeah. like the, the, the glitches glitch. in that, yeah. um, like the, and that you could like there? no that wasn't included, so like they fixed that mm. obviously whatever that was. Um, I remember because like yeah you could multiply like you could do that cheat where you could multiply all of yeah, the um, rare candy cheat all the rare candies and just trade them out and 
Yeah, that was a... so good. So good. Mm. Only way to play. Uh, we'll just ramble through, run off the rest of the games that came out that year. It was a solid year. So Diablo 2 came out. That won a lot of game of the years. Good game. Bloody Legend good of game. Zelda. Majora's Mask. Some people's favorite Zelda still to this day. Yeah, it was good. Final Fantasy 9, which is a lot of people's favorite of that PS1 generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. I'd say a lot of people's favorite from the Tony Hawk Pro Skater series as well. So we're yeah. getting a lot of, uh, you know, best of the series in the year 2000. There's mm-hmm. a few others like Counter-Strike, Deus Ex. They've, they've gone on to become, you know, quite huge franchises crazy taxi came out that year <sighs> crazy taxi tekken that was, tag a dreamcast, that was a dreamcast game wasn't it yeah i think there was some ports i think i'm not 100 percent sure of that was, but yeah was that the year the dreamcast came out i don't know that didn't make my list <laughs> but tekken tag tournament was the kind of like the big game for the ps2 so i thought i should include that there there's one, Banjo-Tooie also, the sequel mm-hmm. to Banjo-Kazooie. Mm-hmm. But the one that I wanted to bring up, because I know that it's uh, near and dear to you, is Blues Brothers 2000. <laughs> uh, this a, a, a terrible game uh, based off a terrible movie, but actually released in the year 2000, unlike the movie that came out in 98 for some reason. Such a bizarre mm. naming convention. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like 2000 is like the... It symbolizes the future. It's like, oh, what trash, what absolute trash. Yeah, one of the great movies of all time, and they they just destroyed it. I never, I never had the the um, un- not the display, yeah, dis- displeasure, I guess, of yeah. playing Blues Brothers two thousand. Thank <laughs> God. Um, yeah. but I remember it. I remember when it was out. I remember seeing it at the at the video store, and it would have looked pretty. Yeah. I'm just looking at some screenshots now. I mean, most games from that generation look like hot trash, but this is it's on next level. level. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. The game that time rightfully forgot. Let's move on yeah, to TV. I'd forgotten we- that existed. Until this. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on to some TV stuff, and we won't take too long. But this kind of I think sets the scene for what was happening in Australia. So Dragon Ball Z premiered on Network Ten as part of Cheese TV Woo! in the year 2000. I'm guessing that was a big part of your childhood. I definitely remember. I was more like I'd watch Pokemon and that was it. I didn't get into Dragon Ball Z, but I definitely remember it being like one after the other for a yeah. really long time. Was Cheese TV a part of your ritual? Oh, mate. Cheese TV was huge for me. That's how I got... That's Cheese TV was pivotal in mm. shaping me as a young boy. Like, I love... Sp- Spider-Man is my favorite fictional character, right? And mm-hmm. I, my first exposure to Spider-Man was through Cheese TV. Like that's that was where I, you know, I got my taste of like a lot of my first like loves as a kid. And like I spent a great deal of time as a young child like traveling around. So like there was a there was like a period like a year and a half period where I didn't watch TV at all. Like I didn't see a TV for a year and a half. So I missed like like there's a like I missed like Street Sharks and I never got into like Damn. Power Rangers and yeah and like all that kind of like, there was that period. Biker Master from Mars was another one. Like I remember coming back from like like traveling for like, a year and like hanging out with all these kids and I had like my GI Joes and my Spider Man and stuff and they had like Street Sharks and Biker Master from Mars. I was like, what the fuck are these things? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but um, yeah, like uh, Cheese TV was was massive for me, and, and it used mm. to be like I would get up at you know get up super early and have to sit through aerobics Oz style um, <laughs> before you know before Cheese TV would start and watch all the watch all the shows and that. But yeah, but, uh, Dragon Ball Z was massive, like and every kid at school was into it. Every kid at school watched it. We would get to school and talk about it after like we'd been you know after like watching it like it was just mm. it was um uh i don't know what the word i'm looking is but it, it, it was every, everywhere it was everywhere ubiquitous <laughs> ubiquitous is the word i was looking for um it was everywhere and like we me and my friends used to like play like dragon ball z like we were the saiyans at like school yeah. on the hill and then when we went playing it we would draw like i used to just spend i had like a book I created like all my own, like I created like a, <laughs> a like you know, because I knew like Dragon Ball Z was the thing, and I knew like Dragon Ball GT was the thing, and there were like different versions and stuff, and so I created my own version of Dragon Ball Z where there were all different characters and different Saiyans and different monsters, and like I used to draw them, and That's I used to be cool. quite yeah, I used to be quite good at it as well. Like I remember like drawing the like the faces and the hair and everything, and having all the different characters and like making up the stories in my head and. um yeah acting them out on the like on the school playground and and the yeah, tarzos like with oh, my tarzos man <laughs> like the 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 dragon ball z tarzos like they used to come in the cheesels mm. um and i used to like with my paper round money i used to go to school and buy like three packets of the cheesels and just give the cheesels away like i used to give the cheesels to other kids and take the tarzos <laughs> uh, would have been good being friends with you yeah maybe that's how i had friends <laughs> Yeah. Dragon Ball Z it's funny because when I was five six we went to Thailand and this is in 90, 93 and we came home with a comic book like a thick real like manga kind of looking thing that, that thick manga yeah it was like a, a graphic novel I guess before mm. that was a thing it was all in either Thai or Japanese I don't know but it was Dragon Ball and I don't oh. know if it was Dragon Ball Z or if it was Dragon Ball, but I didn't know. I couldn't read it, obviously. I had no mm. idea what it was, but the pictures were cool. And then years later, I kind of connected the dots and I was like, oh, this thing's been around for a long time. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. We didn't get Dragon Ball. Like, he went straight into Dragon Ball Z in Australia. Mm. And and I remember, like, watching it and having to piece together, like, the... like the backstory the, the backstory and like yeah. when the androids came and like who's this dr Jero fella and what's the history between piccolo and and then and then i remember dragon like having foxtel like years later and dragon ball being on cartoon network and like watching it there and getting that backstory and like oh that's right. where that happened and you know and the 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 the, the, the tournament and all like all that stuff yeah man that takes me back i want it makes me want to go back and watch it <laughs> i just at least like yeah. read about it <laughs> So, in the year 2000, we had Australia's first ever reality TV show debut, <laughs> The Mole. Do you remember now, this show? that was the shit. I <laughs> fucking loved that show. We loved that show. Our family watched that. Like, that first season, for, like, the first episode, like, all the way through. And like, I remember, like, the first episode, and there was the dude with the hat. And, like, Who this is real dodgy... Yeah. The real, this real dodgy-looking, like, skinny, like... He looked like a... a like a villain out of fucking where is Carmen San Diego or something like that. <laughs> and he, and like, I was like, that's the mole. And he got fucking eliminated on the first episode and I had to go home. I was like, damn son, shouldn't have worn that stupid hat. Um, that's funny. 
But yeah, and then I remember it was the lady. The lady was like the 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 mole at the end of that first season. Mm. I didn't keep. I didn't go into the detail of getting the winner, but I do know the prize money was one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, which seems like chump change now, but it probably was a fair bit of coin back then. Still a fair bit of coin now. Like hundred grand's not nothing to nothing to sniff at. Yeah, but I I don't think people. I think people win a lot more than that now. Like Sur- yeah, the winner for Survivor's taken home two mil. Two mil. Like, yeah, highest highest prize money ever in reality TV history. Yeah, apparently. Right. I don't really get into it, but this is like the dawn of reality TV. It's been kicking around for a few years prior, like Big Brother's a thing in two thousand, but not over mm. here yet. It's in mm. the UK. There's like, um, I guess in the US they had the real world was a big thing on MTV, but we still wouldn't have known about that for a while. So yeah, Shout really. Out to Mike Mazzanin. Yeah, it was the the shift. The Miz was it? The Mike Mazzanin got his start in yeah. the real world, and then he did yeah. tough enough and lost That's to it. Daniel Pewter. Shout out to all yeah, our so- WWE fans out there. <laughs> Yeah, that's the second, rest, uh, for third, I guess, if you include the games, third wrestling mm. reference. But uh, yeah, so I guess it was that period where reality TV was starting to creep its way in and it never left. The fad never ended. It's only gotten no. worse. It has gotten worse. Now we have it's reality pandemic. TV shows that are about people watching reality TV shows. Mm. Fantastic. It's ridiculous. I ridiculous. have the list of Golden Globe nominees here for the year to kind of look at what was happening. And it's interesting watching, uh, looking at this list and thinking like, these are all shows mostly that I never would have watched at the time, but it's kind of like years later, I either discovered them on like reruns or their legacy has become so huge that they've been worth going back and watching. Mm. So I've got CSI, the, I guess it was like the original CSI, the West Wing, obviously huge legacy there, ER. The Practice and The Sopranos, as far as they they were the drama nominees. And then comedies, you had Sex in the City, Ally McBeal, Frasier, Malcolm in the Middle, which I love, and Will and Grace. I loved Ally. We used to watch Ally McBeal. It was like, I remember Monday night, 8.30 on Channel 10, I think it was, back in the day. Ally McBeal, what a cracking Mm. show. And it was on just, I think it was on just after... Uh, Spin City yeah that sounds right yeah so we would watch Spin City which was my like favourite show because it had Michael J Fox yeah and then we would flick over and watch Ally McBeal which was my sister's favourite show Um, which was good like which was a really good show like I don't think we get a lot of I don't know I feel like we, I guess we do because there's quite a lot of TV shows out there now with Netflix <laughs> and that but no not the same Just it was a, it was kind of like a, a quirky kind of comedy like it had the imaginary the dancing babies the dancing babies that was kind of like a really really early meme and they had the well. um they had the um the unisex toilet and yes and yeah. robert downey jr i remember that being like a big thing in the newspapers and stuff was like robert downey jr is getting his uh you know hollywood comeback he's joining the cast of ali mcbeal and that mm. was like the first show to give him a chance after he'd had all his like court cases and <laughs> drug stuff which so weird to think about now that he's like one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Absolutely. Good on you, uh, Ali McBeal. Callister yeah. Flockhart. Uh, pre Harrison Ford. Yeah. Once she, once she hooked up with Harrison Ford, I guess she was like, 
Well, I don't need to worry about money anymore. <laughs> Got that hard solo money now. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, I want to quickly touch on uh, sport in the year 2000. Okay. So the Summer Olympics were yeah. a huge part of this year. Uh, I devoured them. I was just at the right age to really care. And I have an uncle in Sydney, so we, our family went up and stayed with them and went to a bunch of the events, which was really thrilling. And I guess Shout I didn't out to even Kathy really... Freeman. Yeah, I guess I didn't really appreciate it at the time how, you know, momentous it was because I had a chance to see Kathy Freeman because my mum went and my auntie went and I was like, uh, I don't really care about like running races, so I'll just <laughs> sit out on this one. And then it's like, I'm watching it on TV. And I'm like, gee, I guess this is a pretty big deal. Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I did get to see like Team USA, which was amazing in the in the basketball. Got to see, you know, a pretty epic lineup with Vince Carter, Kevin Garnett. Uh, uh, yeah, awesome. Awesome to look back at that experience. As well as like, I went to hockey games. I went to like kayaking and some track and field. I saw a jump and jive Tarima. And it was just like, it, I don't know if it's because of like Roy and HG and like the coverage they did and like all the, the like, you know, the nostalgia people have for, you know, Nikki Webster came out and did the oh, opening ceremony fuck, and everything. Nikki Webster, and it's Damn. like it just sent like such a, a occasion in Australia. And I, like I said, I don't know if it's because I was really into it, but it just seemed like everyone was on the same page. Like there was, uh, like we were all focused on the same thing, which mm. is so rare now because we've got so many options, so many things to draw our attention. Whether it's like, you know, stream like Twitch, and then there's pay TV, and mm. then there's all these streaming services and free to air but back then it was just like everyone was watching the same thing mm. and cared about the same thing mm. yeah i feel like no one gives a shit about the olympics anymore which is sad yeah because it would like bring like it would it would like unite even people who didn't even fuck about sport it would like bring everyone like in everyone was captivated by mm. it and now it's just yeah, like it oh the olympic comes, was yeah, it, fuck. it kind of comes and goes now and it, I, I guess it's partly it maybe it is that like i'd never watch free to air tv so i just wouldn't even come across it but i felt like it was just on like 24 7 for that Mm. like two week stretch and you know it was in australia it was a big deal for us and there were so many great personalities there from you know thorpe and klim and that that australian swim team that smashed the americans in the relay like that was an epic moment we had eric the eel you know struggling through the pool if you remember him and the the um who was the pole vaulter that won the silver? Uh, I don't know. The hot chick. <laughs> right Tatiana. Tatiana. Tatiana Gregorieva. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was like a big thing. Yeah, anyway. Good times. Olympic Games. But um, the, the AFL, we had Essendon becoming the first club to win 19 consecutive wins. Uh, defeating Collingwood's record from 1929. They finished the season mm-hmm. with a 21-1 and record and they won the flag. Has anyone ever had that success since then, Jack? No, and the only team to beat them was the mighty Western Bulldogs. Mm. 
There you go. I'll never forget that. I was so... I'll never forget that, watching that game. Chris Grant kicking the winning goal um, from the boundary line. It was just amazing. And then going to football. It was on a Saturday night and used to play junior footy on a Sunday. And then going... And there was like four or five kids in my team that barracked for Essendon and yeah. walking in the next morning. <laughs> like I just won the premiership. Like, yeah. 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 And they're like, how many flags has your team won? I was like, one. <laughs> and yeah. then... The, 15 or 16 that Essendon and one, but yeah, that was a, yeah, that was an awesome moment. Awesome mm. moment. So Shane Woden won the Brownlow medal. That robbed, year. robbed <laughs> Scott West. Beating Absolutely Scott, robbed. Shane Woden is, <laughs> Shane Woden is the worst player that's ever won the Brownlow medal. He Probably, beat Scott yeah. West, who had the, Scott West had the, one of the great seasons. And mm. my dad always used to say, the reason Scott West never won a Brownlow and he came like th- he polled. He he finished in like the top three like four or five times. The reason Scott West never won a Brownlow was because the umpire bounced the ball, and then while their head was down after bouncing the ball, he'd already had three touches. After by the time <laughs> they put their head back up, um, okay, yeah. <laughs> robbed, robbed. I feel Absolutely. you. I, I feel was your pain. Ropeable. I was I feel, ropeable that night. I feel your pain because Andrew McLeod finished third. So fair enough. But the year after that, he lost by like one vote to Jason Ackermanis. When he had like 39 touches in round 22 and he didn't get a single vote. And Akers even said like he stole that from McLeod that year. And yeah, I have McLeod to agree. Got, McLeod got I felt, one though. No, he didn't. Yes, he did, didn't he? Rashudo got one. Rashudo, that was Rashudo. Yeah. Chris McLeod never. He should have. He should have mm. had it. Should have played a better team. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> All I have to say is 97, 98. We'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Mm hmm. Uh, let's move on to movies and I guess we're, we're running out of, out of time here, so we won't go into too much depth, but I'm surprised to hear you never watched Gladiator cause that is probably the best movie to come out that year. Never watched Gladiator. Um, mm. it was fine. Like, it was I don't fine. Know. You haven't seen it. I mean, no, well, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, I know. I've never seen it. No, I mean, I didn't really like, I, didn't, I don't know. I just never really cared for it. Um, uh, one best picture. I remember going to that as a, I guess, 12-year-old and knowing nothing about how these things work. I like walked out and I said to someone, I think that movie's going to win five Oscars. <laughs> and it won, it won five Oscars. And I was oh, like, oh, right. I called it. Yeah, I was oh, like, yeah, yeah, I called, I called, called that. It. I'm, I'm like, like <laughs> yeah. your mum throws a show at you. Shut up, Jono. And now um, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I fluked that big time. Yeah, but no, I I would say uh, Jack, you should go back and watch Gladiator. It's Russell Crowe's best film. It's on Netflix at the moment. I watched The Nice Guys the other night. I reckon that's his best film. (laughs) Okay. Uh X Men. Let's talk about X Men. Bit more like on par for the course for this uh, eight bit collective. The year two thousand, I went to like I used to go away with my dad on a weekend to Melbourne like once a year or to anywhere. It's just like a father son kind of thing one-on-one leave the brother at home we'd both get a chance to do that and i remember going to x-men and being super hyped because of cheese tv and Mm -hmm. the animated series Mm -hmm. and the comics and everything and i walked out thinking they pulled it off like i can't believe they just made a movie about this cartoon and it really was the first i I don't think it was before blade maybe it wasn't but Blade X-Men's, doesn't really count. I mean, yeah, does, X-Men is a, a way bigger property Spawn than, than was, Blade. If you, to, if you want to go down that path, then Spawn yeah. was the, was before X-Men. But um, X-Men definitely made money that those didn't. It was a bit more accessible, a bit more, you know, mainstream, yeah. for lack of a better term. Yeah. It, it kind of, like, what we've got happening now with Marvel, 
cinematic universe i don't think it really would have happened without the success of that movie i mean they would have come back and tried again but that really kind of started to pave the way for these for spider-man to come out like a year later mm-hmm. and uh some of the the other movies we got to see over the years but yeah like seeing hugh jackman as as wolverine seeing like patrick stewart and mm. ian mckellen like bring those characters to life and give them like depth and really they became like some of the best characters we've had in comic book Mm. like you know quote comic book movies Mm. even with the mcu i think that like logan and and uh professor x are some of the best characters we've seen in those stories even though not all the movies have been great some of them have been pretty bad it was just such an exciting thing at the time. Did you see it at the time? Yeah, I remember absolutely loving it. I remember like my mum was obsessed with Hugh Jackman, and like that was the movie that like <laughs> the boy from Oz. Yeah, like that was the movie that like mum was just like, oh my god, that man is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I went back and watched it like a couple of years ago, and it doesn't hold up as well. But it's not terrible. But definitely, it's not as good as what like I remember it to be. But yeah, mm. it definitely kicked off that that phenomenon of what a like a, a comic book movie could be and um you know those characters coming to life like Sabretooth and and like I love the X-Men like growing up as well and like you know Wolverine yeah. and and like Patrick like Professor X like that role was like that character was like made for him to play yeah. that. like it was perfect um you know all, all of those all those characters Cyclops and, mm. and everything like that yeah it was great um and I, I guess one of the things about it is that they grounded that really uncanny forgive the pun like world in our reality yeah. like going back and watching the animated series now it's so corny and they're wearing the stupid costumes and Sabretooth's almost like an actual animal like he's a beast yeah and you, you he watch was, to these... be fair he was in that movie as well yeah but like you you like it's they could have really gone cheesy and done it the same as the comic and had mm-hmm. like logan with his like ridiculous yellow and blue outfit and crazy hair and everything and they kind of just brought it down to earth so that it could be accepted as cinema and like it just wouldn't have if they kind of went that earlier route of just being completely true to the cartooniness of the comics yeah who directed that i think it was brian singer yeah i know he did some of the later ones i don't know if yeah it was brian singer yeah yeah, because then they brought in, like, Brett Ratner to do the third one, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure which one of them did it's which, got, but, yeah. It, it made nearly $300 million at the box office. Had a, I think wow. it had a budget of $75 million. Like, that's pretty, like... Yeah. Pretty incredible. Like, considering the, the budgets for them now are, like, ridiculous. Mm. Yep. Yeah, really kind of, I guess, paved the way for them to be accepted as you know like a, a, a changing in nerd culture as well that we saw like star wars becoming more popular with the the prequels despite their you know mm. low quality but like mm. like it's been said lord of the rings was happening quite soon after this it really helped that uh dawn of the new era for nerds everywhere i think da- david hayter also wrote that wrote the movie yes he did and was the and started Kept waiting <laughs> and Kept starred, waiting, huh? and starred as um museum cop oh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh ray park aka darth maul was uh in there as toad yes <laughs> yeah that's a little bit of useless trivia ray I'll, park I'll just is run... a fucking g I'll tell you 
I'll run through some of the other movies that came out this year because I think it was actually a pretty solid. So we went Gladiator, X-Men, Meet the Parents was huge. I really loved that movie when it came out. Remember the Titans yep. with Denzel, Castaway, Almost Great Famous. Great film. The Perfect Storm. Saw that at the movies. Terif- terrifying, The Perfect Storm. <laughs> Saw that. I'll tell a story about The Perfect Storm. This, this has just come back to me now. But I remember watching that. That was the first movie I ever saw, and not counting like Empire Strikes Back, but like the first movie that I ever saw where I was like... like with a where, where there was not like spoilers for the perfect storm. Have you seen it? Yeah, I went to see um, it in the cinema too. A uh, bad ending, like a sad yeah, ending. Yeah, yeah, like where the like where the, the there's no like good ending. Like the heroes die. Like the main characters all die. I was like, I was like watching that, being like, wait, what? And like, what? I, I walked out of that movie as a ten year old, fucking shell shocked, being like, what the hell? Like they they all died. Like they're not meant to die. Like the 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 heroes. Like I, I remember mm. like being shooketh. I was shooketh by that. You were shooketh. And even like at the end of it, I'm like waiting for Mark Wahlberg's character to like swim up to the pier at the end and climb back up. And then we'll be like, ah, he's back. Hey guys. <laughs> he swam the ocean. But no, that was it. <laughs> yeah. At the funeral, just rock up to the funeral, all dripping wet. Yeah. <laughs> he pushes the uh, doors over. He's like, ah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Memento. American film. Psycho. Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> Requiem for a Dream, what a flick. Hey? Like, what a solid year for, for those kind of movies. And then, like, I guess more like the teenage sphere, we had Bring It mm. On, which was mm. like a huge movie in high school's mm. Final Destination, mm. great sleepover movie, Road Trip, which I think you've got some stories about, yeah. and, and Gone in 60 Seconds, which I think was probably like a really important thing for Fast and the Furious to happen like a year or so later. Yeah, but you've got a road trip story. I want to. Yeah, hear just a quick one. I remember going um, to the film to the movies to see, like, I wanted to see Road Trip, seeing all the. My parents were pretty like liberal with letting me watch really whatever I wanted, um, and I remember going to the like the movies with mum, and to see the movie and for her, and like um, we go up and I can't remember what the other movie was, but it was like a PG movie that was going on at the same time, and she's like. Oh, two tickets to um, you know road trip, and I think it was like M or MA because it's pretty graphic. Yeah, definitely, and they're like, oh, sorry, you can't, you know, your kid can't, you can't see the movie like it's an adult movie. She's like, oh, okay, what else is going at the same time? And she's like, the girl was like, oh, whatever, other movie. She's like, all right, no worries. Mum bought the two tickets. I'm like, we're walking up. My mum like, mum, I don't want to fucking see this movie. She's like, just shut up. I'm like, all right. So we go up to the thing, tear the tickets, walk through, and we, mum just grabs me and we walk into road trip. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's just, funny I, like, I don't think they're allowed to stop you from taking kids in if you're the parent though like there was kids in Deadpool when I went to see that which really they shouldn't have been they shouldn't have been there they probably shouldn't be allowed to movie. but yeah like I think parents if they're consenting can take them wherever they no, want I, but hey maybe that so. cinema had some different rules I'm pretty sure that's the whole point of the rating system is you can't <sighs> I mean I remember this big thing of like on social media, like don't take your kids to Deadpool. It was a thing like they had to tell people. Yeah, like, it's definitely not. Shouldn't. A, it's not a kids movie, but mm. like there was definitely like eight year old, nine year old kids when I went to see it. So hmm. okay. maybe it's changed. Maybe the rules have changed in twenty years. I don't so. know. Maybe. All right, we'll move on to music before we wrap this up. And wrap it up. Yeah. Speaking of rap, it was a big year. For new metal and hip hop, Linkin Park, Hybrid Theory, Limp Biscuit came out with 
what uh, what album did they, did they have that Chocolate year? Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. What a fucking album. Terrible title. Terrible title. <laughs> what an album. And uh, Eminem, Marsh, I think it was the Marshall Mathers L- uh, LP this year, was it? Uh, was, was that the Real Slim Shady album? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the, uh, the arrival of Eminem. Massive, really, mm. when you think about it and mm-hmm. to see what he's gone on to do. And really, probably for Linkin Park, like, they were the, like, go-to, like, if you were a little bit edgy in high school, you were going to be a fan of Linkin Park. They were amazing. And I, I think Hybrid Theory was really where that started. Yeah, for sure. Do you have great. anything you want to say about no, that just album? A, just a, like, great album. It's a great year for music all around. Like, we had... Um, you know, I didn't realize like Three Doors Down, Kryptonite, like that came out in two thousand. Yeah. Um, you know, original Star, U two, Beautiful Day, like there's some, there's some fucking mm. good some bangers there. Yeah, absolutely. What a cracking year. Yeah, they just and don't make them like they used the... to, Jono. They just don't make them like they used to. Oh, absolutely. Look at the Grammy performances this year. You had Will Smith, TLC, <laughs> Carlos Santana, and oh. Rob Thomas doing smooth. You had Britney, obviously. Elton, Elton John. John played with the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Faith Hill, Ricky Martin, Kid Rock. Shout out to Cisco. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Dixie Chicks and Whitney Houston. Like, yeah. And the bad lineup, eh? I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah. And it was a year, like, there were huge comebacks for Madonna. Kylie Minogue came back with uh, Spinning Around. Oh, I think. Bro- Kylie. Robbie Williams was big in 2000. Yeah. So, and obviously, Britney... So, and Pink, like, she's still kicking around now, but I think this was kind of her kind of breakout or close to. So, Mm. yeah, a big year. But the thing that stands out the most to me when I think of 2000 is Napster. Uh, This Mm. is the year that they announced the partnership with BMG Music that meant basically they were going to change to just downloading whatever the heck you wanted to a a subscription service Mm. that meant that it was the legal download which pretty much killed Napster, really. Yeah. Uh, by that point, there was a bunch of other alternatives like LimeWire and Kazar and mm. whatever else. But yeah, it was such a changing time in the landscape of, of music. And for me, being like that 12, 13, it was a real time of discovery and just starting to... like. I, I wasn't really a big... I didn't go out of my way to consume music prior to that year, but Napster really? kind of opened that up to me, I think. And it made it accessible and it made it so that oh if i heard about this band i could go ahead and just like download one of their songs and listen to it rather than going down to the cd shop or the record store and grabbing those headphones on the wall and like you know trialing the album before you buy it or just straight up buying something that you weren't sure of which i know a lot of people did that because they heard a single and they're like oh i'll check out this like Chumbawamba band to see what they're about. And <laughs> it turns out it's not really. Look at me some tub thumping. <laughs> yeah, the, the single's not really a good. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't really represent what the rest of the band's about. So yeah, that's what I think of when I think of that time. Is that internet becoming a factor in the musical discovery? Mm. Um. So you, I wasn't a thieving little bastard like you. Like no, nah, you just stole newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I had Kazar. I, I was. I was a ter- I was terrible as well. Also allowed you to download uh, WWF clips and montages, so that was a mm-hmm. big thing. True, that was a big thing. I've I've 
I've admitted to like several crimes on this podcast mm. tonight. So you sure have. If anyone ever wants to take me down, by all means. Um, uh, there's way more like material to take you down than this podcast. True, let, that's true. Let's let's say that. <laughs> but that was the year that was 2000. I hope we've painted a, a good picture of it. Uh, maybe listeners out there remember it better than us. You can share your thoughts on the year that was. If you're a, a younger listener, maybe you learned something. Maybe it, we've given you a little bit of a taste of what life was like. 20 mm. years ago mm. uh, if you want to get in touch with us where can they find you Jack uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere and anywhere at cruisy underscore mate um, I don't make content really anymore or like <laughs> I, I participate in content but uh, if anyone wants to play Apex Legends with me add me on PSN K-R-U-S-E-Y underscore mate um, I'd love to play with anyone who's playing I've only just discovered the game it's fantastic <laughs> and you'll be hosting some 8-bit casts no doubt in the future absolutely absolutely and you can be found on the uh, Han rolled first Star Wars role playing podcast that is part of the 8-bit collective yes and uh, we are of course here on the 8-bit cast a part of the 8-bit collective if you want to kick in with some Patreon dollars that really goes a long way to keeping us happy keeping us fulfilled and those emotional lights switched on this is where I will read out the shout outs for our Patreon producers. Aaron L, Andrew Ntoli, Beck Zagas, Ben Smith, Colin Sparling, Dan Vumbaka, Jared Howard, Liam Hart, Logan Wilkinson, Nathan Tilly Laurie, and Pete's. Some of you Patreon producers, you've been there since day one. So thank you very much, you legends. But uh, for now, dear listeners, thank you for tuning into the 8 bit cast. I still don't know how to sign off, so I'm just going to say stay hungry. Stay hungry and don't throw papers down the drain. Keep putting in the work. And keep putting in work and listen to Comedy Rewind and Hoop Dreams. It is what it is. Plat, plat. (laughs) Pleasure explosion. (laughs) 